This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. This week, it's Five Minutes for Earth with harpist Yolanda Condonassis. She commissioned 15 new solo harp pieces, and it was actually a project she started before the pandemic. But she says, thanks to the pandemic, she had the time to immerse herself in these new works. And they make up this new recording, which we hear about this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. Yolanda, I've talked to a number of artists over the past year in particular, and they've been creating unique projects which have been a result of the pandemic because they had time to really think about the thing they wanted to do that they hadn't had time to do. Can you talk a little bit about your new project, and was it maybe a pandemic project? Well, actually, I had the idea for this before COVID hit us all. But I would definitely say that the pandemic gave me a clearing to really dive into it in a way that I certainly could not have with quite such a <laughs> with quite such a single-minded passion if I had been on the road and uh, doing absolutely everything else at the same time and keeping up lots of other repertoire and whatnot. Um, in fact, my producer and I were just saying the other day that, that it, it, it's kind of crazy that, you know, in maybe a year and about a month, I got all of these pieces, basically. I learned them recorded them and released them. That's an insane timeline. I don't ever <laughs> remember being able to uh, to do anything quite that quickly, but that's the, you know, that's the benefit of a little bit of clearing in one's life to, you know, I I had such a great time just practicing, you know, practicing new stuff. I think it rewires your neurons when you're you're just you're sitting there for hours and hours and hours absorbing new music, new material, new techniques, new new everything. And it, and it was pretty special time. I, I, I think it kind of balanced out all the awfulness of the isolation and the, you know, everything that went with the pandemic um, to have something like that. So yes, I would definitely say this was, if not spurred by the pandemic, it was definitely facilitated by it. A number of years ago, you founded a nonprofit called Earth at Heart. How does this project, which is called Five Minutes for Earth, fit into the mission of that organization? Well, Earth at Heart is something that started about 10 years ago. And uh, it's a foundation with the mission of inspiring Earth awareness and action uh, through the portal of the arts. And I've, I've been doing things related to earth conservation for probably about 20 years now, but I felt that a mission of trying to enhance people's, you know, not just awareness, but inspiration to get involved and to understand some of the challenges 
through the portal of the arts and not just music. Um, right now, you know, it's, it's primarily music-based projects that I'm doing, but really any of the arts that help illuminate ideas and, you know, challenges, joy, everything. I think that's the window sometimes, that's the entry point to people's understanding in a way that facts and data and, you know, alarming information might not be. I think the arts and, you know, music is my medium. I think music has the ability to hit you in a way that almost catches you off guard. I've, I've had that happen to me in performances that illuminate a, an experience or an idea. And I've walked away really thinking about that in a different way, kind of a visceral way, a way that, 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 it inspires deeply. And so that was the idea for Earth at Heart. And this project, while it's not necessarily a subset of Earth at Heart, the foundation Earth at Heart is what will sponsor and finance all ongoing performances of these five minutes pieces that are on the album every time they're performed, I mean, for the foreseeable future, at least by any harpist anywhere in the world. If they can upload their performance and their info to the Earth at Heart website, then a contribution will then be made to an earth conservation organization. So the idea was not only to inspire through the arts, but in this case, with Five Minutes for Earth, to give artists a way to contribute through their performance. Because I, I think maybe the, the, the possible pandemic-related element of this is that we all want to help. But during the pandemic, I think everyone's discretionary income for giving probably plummeted. So this is a way, no matter good times or bad, if you're a, an artist in this case at least, you can perform and give through that performance. How were the composers selected for this recording? Well, the composers for this recording are kind of uh, a glorious, uh, eclectic mix. Um, Some of them are good friends. Some of them are colleagues that I've worked with before. Some of them, you know, I reached out to because I knew of their music and thought they'd be a great fit. There's no one answer to where did you find these composers. It's it's a kind of a wonderful collection of of connections. Did you receive any surprising reactions from one or more of these composers when they were approached about being part of this project? Let's see. Well, surprising, no. But I would say heartwarming, yes. I, I feel like every one of the composers, and, and there are a few other composers that are part of the project. Uh, for instance, Arturo Sandoval wrote me a wonderful piece that's going to be released as a single uh, quite you know soon. And so that's an extension of the Five Minutes Project. It's just not on this, this collection. You know, surprising, no, but generous, yes. I feel like everybody I talked with about this came back to me and said, absolutely, this sounds great. When do you need it? And, and that was amazing. What, why was five minutes kind of the magic number? And then, of course, I'll point out that not everybody's piece is five minutes. <laughs> some are shorter, some are longer. <laughs> right. Five minutes was a kind of a construct 
that began as an idea, well, what can I really realistically ask composers to do and donate? Not a single composer took a penny for their work on this. And, and that is, is part of that pay it forward idea. The composers contributed their part of the mission. I, of course, am contributing my performance of all these works and you know my part in getting this music out to the world. And then hopefully performers who play it in the future will pay that forward by not only inspiring audiences, but by bringing the contributions, you know, for those performances. But I would say the five minutes idea was kind of twofold. One, as I said, was what, what can I realistically ask these composers to do in their busy schedules? Because unlike performers, I think composers were, were flooded with requests for work over the pandemic uh, period. And second, I thought five minutes was a great metaphor for kind of the amount of time we as, as a global community really have to get our act together on this, you know, on everything, on climate change, pollution, you know, everything we do to the earth, we need to evaluate very, very quickly and not just evaluate, but reconstruct our idea of how we use our planet. And, and the clock is ticking. And having, having that as a, a sort of a mental structure, that five minutes for earth, it, it seemed to wrap the project together uh, in more than one way. So, you know, and as you say, not every work on the album is five minutes, but I think, you know, artists can't always, you know, set a clock and say, okay, <laughs> ding, the, the piece is over. I think I, I wanted to give people the opportunity to, to really express themselves in, in whatever way um, felt right. I also wondered if it was a way to encourage each of us to give five minutes to Earth. Um, thinking about what we might do. Um, and I think sometimes it seems like such a big issue that it's overwhelming, right? But we can give five minutes to any issue, right? And maybe make a difference just to pause and think about it or in listening to one of these pieces and getting deeper into that. I, I think that is a big key, exactly what you just said. Not everybody can do big things. And really, in the big scheme of things, you know, what I'm doing is, is a very small thing. I'm hoping that it will have some exponential uh, effects, but it's um, that idea of do what you can, whatever it is, as small as it is. Give five minutes, listen to a piece, get inspired, and start recycling your own trash. You know, that's a, that's a small thing. You know, and recycling is the tip of the iceberg, um, of course. But, it, you know, whatever, if we all did one small thing, imagine what an impact we could make. Imagine if we all spent five minutes a day thinking about or doing or, or putting into motion one small thing that might uh, promote a healthier environment. That, that would be pretty impactful. When you said tip of the iceberg, it made me think of a couple of pieces that are focused on glaciers. Um, let's talk about some of those pieces that relate to the icebergs. Rena Esmael, her piece is talking about kind of a wound 
in a glacier, and it has a real mysterious quality to it. Can you talk about that piece, please? Rena Esmail is just an incredibly interesting composer. Um, she's just wildly creative, and we had uh, several really memorable FaceTime meetings during the course of her composition of this piece. And um, she she wrote a piece that that is about several things. And the title Inconvenient Wounds is, is not just about climate change and the warming of the atmosphere and the melting of the glaciers, but, but just a, a kind of a, a degradation of the planet that um, is happening from many, many directions. And the piece starts with a very, very prickly um, kind of atmosphere and then immediately moves into some, some rather abrasive sounds, which we harpists call pedal grinds. And she wanted them to sound like zaps, like electrical zaps. like when there is a, a natural disaster and, you know, the grid goes down, whether it's an earthquake or a flood or anything else. And those, those pedal grinds are like zing, 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 very irregular, but kind of a, they're, they're threaded briefly throughout the piece. Even when there is kind of beautiful, heroic, rather traditional writing, those, those little zings kind of remind us that, that perhaps all is not well. And, um, so I think her piece is just an incredibly wonderful contribution to the narrative of the CD. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, several of the pieces deal with the, the climate change issue, the warming of the planet. Melting Point by Jocelyn C. Chambers is a wonderful one. Philip Manimal's uh, The Demise of the Shepherd Glacier. These are kind of expressions of awareness of what's going on that I think, you know, if you're writing a piece with a thematic thread of the earth, that's going to be a big one, that, that warming trend. You have written a book about how to compose for the harp. And when you mentioned, you know, adding a little zing um, into a piece with the use of the pedal, it made me think that, oh, I wonder if that might have been a technique or something that you wrote about in your book, because I know that many of these composers did reference your book. Can you talk a little bit about maybe something one of the composers did learn in your book and they um, included that in their composition for you? Well, I think, uh, you know, I tried to make available my book called the uh, the composer's guide to writing well for the modern harp and it it's it's kind of a user friendly guide that indexes a lot of things there's advice on how to write just traditional music idiomatically and then there's a big 
index, a big section of the book devoted to effects, both traditional and contemporary effects. And these composers utilized quite a few of those those cool techniques in these pieces. And, and I think really to maximum effect, because each piece is so different and there are so many infinite combinations that a single effect can be used in. It's like, well, there's one effect, the whistle. The, the pedal slide. The glissando. Um, any number of percussive effects. And within that category, the effect can be used a dozen different ways in a dozen different colors or registers of the harp to, to produce kind of an exponential array of effects that I just think these composers managed brilliantly to really convey a lot of these environmental um, atmospheres. So, you know, I was happy to be able to offer that book to these composers, but, um, you know, all these folks kind of knew what they were doing uh, before they ever got my book. And I think maybe it just might have helped a little. Um, Let's talk about some of the other pieces that just I thought were so incredibly beautiful. One is Maximo Diego, and that piece, he says, is a love song dedicated to the place where we live, and it really does sound like a love song. It's so beautiful. Will you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, You know, one of the, the ideas with this project was to not just have pieces that suggested or represented atmospheres of, you know, our changing climate and our changing landscape, but also to celebrate the amazing beauty and, and wonder of the planet. And I think that, you know, when we are trying to make a change, I think it's very important to be reminded of not only what's going on that suggests a change is needed, but what we have to lose if we don't. And some of these pieces are just gorgeous. And the one you mentioned uh, by Maximo Diego Pujol is, is like, he says it's a love song for my earth. And I love that ownership. It's not just the earth or earth, it's my earth. And I think that's, you know, an important part of the title. And it's also kind of subliminally threaded throughout. It's, it's nostalgic in a way. It's melancholy in a way. But it's hopeful. And there's, there's a lot of joy. I'm just quite mesmerized by the art of composition and how pitches and, uh, you know, techniques can be combined to elicit emotion. It's, it's quite a powerful mechanism. 
And each one of these composers managed to to do that in a way that I think um, touches on so many different levels. So it's it, it it's awe inspiring to watch that work in progress. Something else that is awe inspiring is to see a whale in its own habitat. Uh, I actually had that experience this last summer, and it's unbelievable to see a pod of whales just in the ocean um, doing what they do. And that is how this whole recording opens. Can you talk about that piece and the composer, please? Well, Takuma Ito is the composer of a piece called Kohola Sings. And he is based in Hawaii. He lives in Honolulu. And he has done quite a bit with uh, weaving together the idea of the natural environment and and music already, uh, long before this project. And he wrote this piece using what I think is a just stunning effect. And it's a string-bending maneuver that when you do it a certain way, and, and you've got to play with it a little bit, but when you do it a certain way, you can almost imitate the songs of, of whales. And it's very haunting. The whole piece starts with that, and the piece ends with it. And, you know, in fact, uh, we just finished the the first video for the collection. Each one of these 15 tracks will have its own uh, unique video to go with it. And, <laughs> in fact, just a couple of nights ago, I, I had to really get myself to stop watching this amazing video of whales. It's sort of, you know, a combination of, of you know, seeing some of what goes into it from a harp standpoint and some some playing shots but superimposed with the the play of whales there's one with a a mother and a baby whale and it just, I, I don't know what it is, I guess as a mother myself, looking at that just almost brings tears to my eyes. And then when you combine it with Takuma's gorgeous music and those whale sounds that he figured out a way to have me do, it, it's all very moving. And, and I was able to take a trip to Alaska a few years ago as well. And, you know, seeing somehow my reaction to seeing the whales in their natural habitat was that they made the ocean look so much smaller. You know, the ocean looks so vast, but when you see these giant, magnificent creatures just just living and, and breathing and, 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 you know, breaching and spouting and, you know, doing everything they do, it looks like their backyard. And I think that's kind of a metaphor for, you know, when we, the earth is not that big after all. It's giant, but when you look at every individual habitat, it's, that, is, that belongs to someone, something. And um, I don't know, I just think Takuma did an amazing job in this piece of his, Kahula Sings, which was the, the first single kind of we released from the album because it, I think it's a great way to kick off the narrative and inspire that awe, that kind of what we've got to lose part of the equation. 
Gary Shocker wrote a piece called Memory of Trees. And what's interesting to me is he's turned this kind of into, at least at the start, it's a medieval troubadour song. And it's, it too is very beautiful. Would you talk a little bit about this piece? Like you, I loved that sort of hearkening back vibe that that the piece starts with and of course it 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 evolves into you know really very lush kind of neo-romantic sort of writing in a way which which is kind of a hallmark of, of Gary's music I've played a number of his pieces and he just really has a way with a he has a way with a tune but yet to start it sort of in a way of of looking back um, I think each one of these pieces has a little bit of an element of both looking back and looking forward. And I think perhaps if there is, a, is one single common thread with every piece, it is, the pieces are so different, so different, one to the next. But if I were to try and narrow it down to one common thread with each piece, it is that, just what you mentioned, that idea of hearkening back and looking forward with a touch of melancholy, but lots of hope. And I think in, in Gary's short little piece, he, he conveyed all of that. There's a piece called Earth Dreams, and it references a timeless standard by Hoagy Carmichael, Stardust. And the composer is Keith Fitch, and he's asking you to detune some of your strings to kind of create this interesting effect. Can you talk about what his goal is and how you are able to accomplish it? Right. Well, this is another great example of what we were just talking about, that looking back and looking forward. And um, I love Keith piece. Uh, Keith Fitch is a composer whose music I've played before. And this one is called As Earth Dreams. And I would, I would sort of, I mean, it, it's its own voice, but I would kind of characterize it as uh, <laughs> Takamitsu meets kind of a, a neo-romantic postmodern kind of narrative that that is very dreamy, but it's it's that what you mentioned in the the detuning, the scordatura effect. He has me tuning down several strings by a quarter tone. Which I think is just a, an amazing effect. I have honestly not had the opportunity to do that in too many pieces but when I do it 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 produces this very resonant kind of haunting quality where on one hand it's sort of a an atmospheric element that 
leads the listener to think all is not quite right. There's something a little off balance here. But, but you know, all the strings aren't detuned. So, you know, there are many, many moments where everything is in perfect harmonic centering. You know, what he's done is, again, woven a story of both dreams and hope and kind of an ethereal, from the outside looking in quality. Um, A couple of pieces on the album have that, where, you know, they're not firmly planted on Earth and looking around. They they take more of an aerial view almost. And Keith's piece is one of those where it's very transporting. He uses the glissando in a rather traditional way. But if you mix in those scordatura pitches, it gives the glissando a completely different quality than just playing a glissando, which means to slide the finger across the strings. It's that most traditional of effect on the harp. But when you have one or two pitches that are not quite in perfect tune, it gives the glissando a completely different tenor. And, um, you know, it's yet one more kind of creative but subtle effect that these composers have used to just create an atmosphere, I think, kind of like nothing else. Are there any pieces you want to be sure that we highlight? And I know they're all your babies and you love them all. But if you were going to sit down and just... The first piece on this list of 15, if you were going to sit down and just play one of them, what would the first one be that came to your mind? One maybe perhaps that we haven't talked about yet, and why? Oh, wow. That is a question, because it is, as you just said, sort of like, you know, which one of your children would you choose to take on a vacation? <laughs> um, um, I Gosh, I have to say, whichever one I'm playing... Is, is the one I'm just having a deep dive into. Um, one that I will say I got very late in the process, but became, a, a, you know, really fast fun for me was by, I think, a really wonderful young composer named Patrick Harlan. He wrote a piece called Time Lapse, and um, he kind of gets the the, <laughs> the sticker for, for patience, tolerance, and best effort, because he wrote actually two pieces for this project, and the first one involved pedal looping, and I look forward to getting to that piece, you know, at earliest opportunity, and it was called Ashes and Snow, and a very interesting piece. And as we got closer and closer to the sessions, my producer and I were trying, you know, we have a lot of music. We have, uh, I think, a second or two shy 
of the maximum amount of music you can really uh, realistically put on a CD and and maintain the good quality that that we wanted. So um, we were looking at the time we had to do all of this recording, and we realized that a reset for the pedal looping operation we just weren't sure we'd have time to do that because you know my producer knows me well that I I will not do anything that we cannot do well and um you know I'm kind of a a, a crazy perfectionist and I thought well we're we're going to need you know at least an hour to do that reset and I just didn't know if we had it so I went to Patrick with with my hat in my hands and said Patrick I don't know if we're going to have time to do this pedal looping reset. And in the most amazing and generous of ways, he said, all right, I'll write you a new piece. And that became Time Lapse. And I'm not sure if it's a little tongue-in-cheek, um, the, the title. Patrick is interesting because he is a specialist, and he this is a big cornerstone of his music that that he has explored the way natural sounds in nature relate to music and pitch and all that science of, of the music in nature. And so he was just a, a must-have on this recording. And what he wrote is this wonderful, fun little piece that just became my warm-up, uh, still is my warm-up, and uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's perpetual motion, it's fun, but it's also got not only that whimsy, you can just, you can imagine, you know, time-lapse photography where the petals of a flower are opening right before your eyes, or, um, you know, a sunset in accelerated photography. You, you can just see that as you listen to this piece. But it's got also got that thread of melancholy as well. And I think it's wonderfully suggesting of that idea, you know, everything is in how we see it. And quite honestly, I think we do need to start seeing our environmental ta- challenges in sort of time-lapse photography style. It's going faster than we think. Everything is happening. My goodness, climate change is happening faster than any of us imagined. And and that right there is a, a great example of what would be time-lapse reality, but it's actually kind of reality. Michael Doherty wrote a piece called Hear the Dust Blow. And this is a good example of where we kind of experience the devastation and then the promise, the hope. The initial idea came from, you know, the Dust Bowl period and, you know, the Grapes of Wrath. And and all that came from what was basically not just kind of a convergence of elements and, you know, weather patterns and whatnot, but kind of an abuse of the land. And from that, uh, you know, farmers and and agriculture um, experts really developed a different way of using land. 
And I think it was sort of a, a teaching, well, not sort of, it was a teaching moment for, um, you know, what happens when, when you just deplete the land. It becomes barren. It becomes, you know, susceptible to all sorts of perils. And, it, it, you know, sort of like we learned something back then, you know, in the 1930s, but we need to learn it again. And, you know, he accompanied his piece with some wonderful uh, historical images that we've woven into kind of a narrative of the piece. And, and not only does he talk in his program notes about the devastation of the Dust Bowl and what can happen to the land when it is abused, but also that idea of the California dreamin' idea. And there's some just gorgeous aching moments in this piece where, you know, not only is there that idea of, of wishing and hoping and um, dreaming of a new day and a better life, but that thread of hope woven through his piece is, I think, the glue, the glue of all of it. Because, you know, nobody wants to hear or think about devastation without hope. And I think there's so much going on in the world right now. My goodness, um, we could talk all day. But it is that hope that keeps us all going. And uh, when it comes to the earth or anything else, we cannot give in. We can't say, uh, we're baked, we're cooked, this is done. We can never, ever do that. Then we really are done. So with this album, with all of this music, I think I hope to both illuminate what we face, but weave through it continuously the hope, the hope and um, the idea of action, because there is so much to lose if we don't. minutes for earth 15 new solo harp works inspired by earth with harpist yolanda condonassis thanks to valerie kaler our producer this is new classical tracks from american public media i'm julia mocker (laughs) 